Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Book of Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode, and uh, I'm joined today by a relatively new friend of mine, Keith Lane. Keith, thank you so much for making time for the Book of Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Nathan. And I, I was mentioning this to you before we got started, but I have to say, and I was, I was actually telling my girlfriend just last night, you are one of the most genuinely kind individuals that I've had the opportunity to connect with in our industry in the last number of years. We had the chance to meet originally at the United Conference, or most recently, I should say, at the United Conference in Arizona. And uh, I was just struck by our conversation, the way in which you engage. You know, it's, it's tough these days to, to connect with somebody immediately and kind of on a deeper level. And the genuine kindness which you exude is to be commended. So I, I have to mention that from the start. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, and all the folks there at United making me feel comfortable. This was my second one. And I got to say, it's, you know, it was an experience that changed my life two years ago. And you guys just made it all the best for me. So I do appreciate you uh, taking the time out to have those conversations with me. I, I love it. And, you know, that's probably my favorite thing about the United Conference is the opportunity for conversation that goes beyond the surface level. And we've I've mentioned that a number of times on the podcast before. We'll make sure for those listening in. Um, if you go to the show notes for each of these episodes, there are resources that we're going to link to. If you just go to bokehpodcast.com, but we'll link to, to information about the United Conference in case you're curious about it. And it is well worth the time and the financial investment, particularly for the relationships. I enjoy it just for the sake of a relationship, a friendship, but I also enjoy it because as a business owner within our industry, I get to gain perspective from photographers. And and really, that's what this podcast is about, right, is, is perspective, having the opportunity to dig into some some good conversation, what hope, hopefully is really good conversation from which we can all in some way benefit. And a lot of that has to do with getting perspective about running a business, about photography, and certainly about trying to create a bit of free time for ourselves. And so for, on that note, actually, I want to start with something that we call our technique for time. And yes. very simply, the, the podcast, I mean, so much of what, why we are even doing this podcast and ultimately what the Photographer's Edit brand is about is time, creating space in our lives for more than just sitting in front of a computer and working. Uh, because there's way more out there, right? And so I'm curious what you have been learning about how to create time for yourself in your day-to-day, week-to-week life. That is uh, still a, a, a journey for me, I've got to admit. You know, I try every morning to get up, uh, you know, I take some meditation time, some praying time. I'm still trying to figure out the balance of, you know, when to do emails, when to do social media, when to do all these other things, um, and when to turn it off. So it's it's a, a work in progress for me. What I'm curious what the what is the biggest I'll use the word fear here apprehension of turning off. Is there kind of a FOMO fear missing out on a, a potential communication with a client, or is there something else? No, I um I have a, a, I feel like there's always so much that I need to get done. Okay, and I'm always running against the clock. If that makes sense. Yep, totally. That, you know, I'm always trying to figure out how can I run my body more efficiently on less time, on less sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally uh, get it. 
and and it's that does not work. No. Uh, so so I'm finding the balance. It's it's you know finding like what's my most productive hours that mm. I, I actually operate better on. And, and for some people, it's getting up at five o'clock in the morning. That's not the case for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's first figuring out what's my productive hours, uh, focus on those hours, and then also my family time. Right, it's dedicating time with the family, and how do I fit that in um, as best as I can? So. You know, the other part of it is learning what to outsource. Mm. And uh, that's a, you know, a major step that I'm actually uh, trying to take this year to outsource a couple things. And I'm interviewing now for some folks that can hopefully come on and, and uh, help take some of those things off my plate. That's really good. And, you know, this bears repeating. I, I actually consciously avoid the conversation many times around outsourcing or, or delegation because, of course, the last thing that I want is for people coming to listen to the podcast to feel like this is just a big photographer's edit commercial. Mm-hmm. But the, the irony in that I run a company that uh, and, and have now helped run a company for, you know, 10 years or over 10 years uh, that whose business model centers around the, the notion, the idea of delegation is that I, that's something that I still personally stand to do better at. And, and what I mean by this is even this year, actually, we, we were privileged enough to see growth for yet an, another year, yet again, this past year in 2018 at Photographer's Edit. And so as we move into 2019, of course, we're trying to figure out uh, different things, or we're actually moving on some different ideas that we came up with to not only improve our service, but to add to the services. And, uh, and then we, we see opportunity for business elsewhere. And so there's so many different things to keep up with. And the idea that I, I have this tendency, which I think a lot of photographers can relate to, which is almost a subconscious behavior, trying to maintain control of everything going on. Because, you know, maybe if I give up control, it's not going to be done just the right way. Or if I give up control, maybe it's going to be seen as though I'm not working hard enough or whatever weird thought process they're in. That, that is something that I still have to kind of work through. And so I'm actually actively, in fact, I'm supposed to have a phone call today with one of my team to talk about mm-hmm. further delegating some of the work that I've been overseeing so that I can focus even more on growing the company and yes. kind of thinking about the bigger picture ideas associated with that. I, I think it's so, so important. And I love that. I mean, we're going to actually get into our, our kind of our focus and conversation later on in the podcast today is going to... Uh, be around your first year as a full-time photographer. And so I love that you're thinking about delegation here in the context of a relatively new business. That's that's huge. And I think that's going to translate to that freedom. It may not be there right this second. It may be overwhelming right now, but I love that you're thinking for the future in that way. Yes, I, I, I have to. I, it's it's so much to do. I mean, that, you know, as photographers, people just think we just take pictures and edit, but there's so much around marketing, yeah. strategy, building, um, and it's, you know, where I can f- focus myself on doing stuff like branding and, and marketing, I, you know, someone else that's great at social media, which I know I suck at, you know, if I can bring someone to help me do that, that would be a, a lifesaver for me. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the the sucking at social media. I'm not personally the best. Fortunately, mm-hmm. we have Haley on our team who helps oversee our digital marketing at Photographer's Edit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've just even recently kind of been getting back into... Instagram stories. Is that something that you do very much? Uh, I, I, I want to get into it. My, my heart is there. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it just, I, I, it's been, it's been one of my barriers, right? So it's been one of the things that I said as going full-time, I'm going to conquer. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out the how at this point, right? How do I integrate it into my day where it doesn't feel like it is a chore? 
That's and that's a great point, and not just a chore. The other thing that that struck me, and and this was, I think we mentioned this on a Workflow Wednesday podcast episode just recently, but. Um, I I was actually having a conversation with a, a local photographer, Rin Lauren, who has been on our our podcast, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how, despite I mean, and she's incredibly involved with Instagram, and particularly in stories, and books the majority, if not all, of her business through Instagram right now. Yes. And so my assumption with someone like that is that they're spending you know just hours and hours and hours constantly glued to their phone in Instagram. And she pulled up the little statistics app um, that, of course, Apple has built into their operating system now that shows how much time you're spending on screen and more specifically in an individual app. And it showed that she's only spending about an average of an hour a day. And yet she's running her whole business or almost her whole business through this app. Um, And I thought that was that was a and it was just wonderful, again, perspective that reminded me of the fact that, okay, I can. I'm certainly striving to have freedom and flexibility in my life. The last thing that I want to do is to have another reason to have to be glued to my phone. And yet you can do that without being kind of overwhelmed and spending too much time on it. I thought it was really interesting perspective. You know, there are some people that are skilled that have that skill, right? That it's, it comes naturally to them. For yeah. me, I, my problem is I sit and I overthink every single thing. Before I hit the <laughs> me day. too. Yeah. And I'm editing a million times over and yeah. it's just like, I look around, it's like, it's been two hours and I'm looking at the same post. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's one of the things that I am working, trying to work at. And I, I, I say all the time, you know, like this is probably my final hurdle God wants me to get over before he starts to bless me with the business of my dreams. So mm. I'm like, it's, you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to work at it and make sure I get it done this year. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring up, it, it's this kind of tendency toward a desire for perfection, right? Or some, mm-hmm. some version of perfection. And, and uh, again, I can hundred percent relate to that, but I was reminded, uh, actually, just recently in a conversation with my son, and I alluded to this on a recent uh, podcast episode as well, but uh, my son and I were having just a quick exchange, actually on Instagram, in the DMs. I posted something to my story about how kind of hilariously ridiculous this uh, world record Instagram post that, that recently came up of an egg. Have you heard about this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hilarious, but and and a little bit disconcerting because that my my comment my commentary basically on stories was this is what like our 2019 culture like this is where we're at is that we're going to spend as much time as we did liking that picture of an egg you know whatever it's whatever it is now it's like 40 million times or over 40 million times crazy that that just kind of seems insane to me but uh, i'll kind of shorten this this story The, the summation of my son's response to me was basically we we're not taking you know a lot of people i guess people my age for example i'm i'm almost 40 i look at this and i think it's just hilarious and kind of ridiculous that somebody would spend so much time doing this and he's like you know what it, we're not it's not that serious like we're not taking that this or this that seriously yeah. it's just entertaining it's amusing and the idea that that type of entertainment behavior um is a reflection on a deeper me on a deeper level of where our our society is at in 2019 is kind of a misnomer. And that's not exactly how he worded it, but that's kind of what he was suggesting through that. And I thought it was a good reminder. And why that I, why I thought that was important is because, again, with my tendency to trying to make sure that everything is just so when I put it out there, mm-hmm. understanding that, you know what, we don't have to take this too seriously. What it really is about is just sharing us, our life, maybe our brand, and doing so authentically, organically. And in that process, we don't have to make it just right. 
So I'll leave it at that. It's kind of a loaded conversation and it's something that I have to continue to work on uh, as well. I love that we're kind of sharing in that, but it's, it's a good point of conversation for sure. You mentioned something earlier though, that caught my attention. You said yep. meditation. Um, this is the topic that has come up on the podcast uh, a number of times and I, I find it fascinating. I've certainly found benefit from it, but I'm curious if you don't mind sharing, because at this point in the conversation, I, I normally like to ask about a, a technique, um, something that you do in your life to help you be more present, more centered, more focused. Is meditation that, and what does it look like for you? Yeah, so not traditional meditation, by no means, but I do try and spend a few minutes just you know, quiet still. You know, my brain is always moving probably 300 miles an hour faster than it should be. (laughs) Um, And sometimes I have found as of late that by just sitting still sometimes doing nothing, ideas come to me. They come, you know, Mm. and, you know, it's sometimes I, I say it all the time. I think, you know, the shower for me is one of those places where just the steam, the, 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 the relaxation, you know, getting into, you know, just letting the thoughts just flow. Yes. I come up with some of the greatest ideas in there. And, you know, you know, my wife will come in uh, and go to take a shower and there's like writings all over the wall. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I'm jotting things down as they're coming to me like, oh, wow, that's mad. Why didn't I think of that earlier? You know, and it's just. That's cool. Because, yeah, I'm just taking those few minutes. I have nothing to do. And I'm just, you know, I'm showering, but the relaxation of the steam and, and it's gotten me to thinking, you know, maybe even going to the gym and doing some steam baths or something like that, you know, those steam, yeah, uh, the steam rooms, steam rooms. Yeah. yeah. Or even a sauna. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Spending some time in there just to, you know, close your eyes and just to kind of let those thoughts flow uh, is uh, it, I found that to be so far very inspiring. Like, wow, I, you know, for some reason by not doing anything, I'm actually getting more accomplished. It's kind of weird. It, it does seem counterintuitive, but I, I, I find this so fascinating. And we've begun discussing this a little bit more in the podcast as of late. But I think the very idea uh, of sitting or standing in the shower or whatever the environment might be and giving time and, and space for just free-flowing thought, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it can be incredibly productive because our tendency is, as you pointed out, Keith, to, to just go 100 miles an hour all the time. And we're not actually giving ourselves the opportunity to, first of all, process what we've even been dealing with or what we've been learning or listening to or, um, you know, the the situations we've been addressing with our business, with our clients. There's And, of course, those interactions with our family and our friends, there's so much going on and we're just going, 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 going. And there's no real time for our brain to take a deep breath and sit in all of that and take it in and organize it and make sense of it and categorize it. And I think that that idea of meditation, so much of the benefit of meditation or having that quiet time is that we give our mind space for that. And once it begins to organize, then it gives us the opportunity to be able to make some sense of that and do something with it and potentially even have more free mental space to, to begin coming up with new ideas as well. So I think this is a really wonderful reminder. And again, for all those of you listening in, meditation doesn't, as, as Keith pointed out, doesn't have to look like so-called traditional meditation. It really can look a variety of ways. So much of what it's about is just being still, being quiet. And you know, I think a lot of people have a hard time, and I've certainly struggled with this. There are times in our lives when we're struggling with something, and being quiet means that we have to face that, and that can be uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, it's a good thing, the payoff on the other side 
uh, can be amazing. Be willing to take the time to explore what that thing is, where it's coming from, address the issue so that you can move on. And and again, be able to, to be creative. Giving the mental space for that is huge. I love that. I, I'm curious about an impactful book. What is one of the most impactful books that you have read? Yeah, so <laughs> I think three books that at different points have really made some big impacts on me okay. uh, within the last five years, right? So the first one I'll talk about is uh, Steve Harvey's Jump. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. I've heard of it. Yeah, I haven't read it. Uh, so, yeah, I actually first caught wind of this in 2016. And uh, someone that actually worked for the show sent me the clip. But he, someone just happened to ask him one day while he was taping Family Feud, you know, what was his most, you know, what, what got him to where he is, right? What, how did he uh, develop this whole, this lifestyle, this brand that he has? Because I think that person was an aspiring comic. And he then went on a six minute heart pouring mm. of just making the jump. Mm. And, you know, that video changed my life. Wow. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, and then so, you know, he was so surprised that the video caught 54 million views in a matter of 72 hours or something crazy wow. like that. This is uh, on YouTube? It's on YouTube, yeah. Okay. If you just Google Steve Harvey Jump, yeah. you'll hear him talk. Um, and the, the point of the six minutes was he was telling the folks that uh, in the audience that, you know, you, you cannot live in fear of what would happen if you jump. You know, and the fact that we all have these gifts that we were given and we know what those gifts are. And, and, and he likened the analogy to being standing on the cliff with the parachute on your back. And he said, the gift is your parachute. And sometimes you just got to walk off the cliff. And, you know, in order for your gift to really take off, you've got to jump. Hmm. Right. In order for your parachute to open, you have to jump. And, you know, I first saw that video sitting at a my my in my office in corporate America, hating the life that I was living mm. and the job that I had. And I knew photography already. I was very much into photography already shooting weddings. And I literally came home and said to my wife, I'm gonna jump. Wow. <laughs> and you know, uh how did she, she respond? Like what was the first thing she said? At first she was like, okay, yeah, I think one day we can do that. Yes, that, <laughs> that you know <laughs> Yeah. But she is a such a loving soul. You know, she knew that I was going through a mental torment uh, mm. day in and day out. And she, uh, by the time, I think that was in September, October, I saw that video. And by the following January, I had left the full-time corporate America job and uh, went out to do my own independent consulting, right? So I thought it'd be easier if I consulted. <laughs> okay. That was not the case. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but that video and that book was what gave me the motivation to actually uh, make that jump and leave a you know promising six figure plus career. Right. Wow. You know, um, Steve Harvey's energy is just, I mean, it's contagious. It's incredible. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to watching that video after we get finished here. And of course, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well for our listeners. Again, if you just go to bocapodcast.com, the, the resources that we have with each of these episodes, you've got to take advantage of them. Haley does a wonderful job of putting these together. But yep. it, it reminds me of the opportunities that I've had to go skydiving. I've gone a couple of times now. Have you ever been before, Keith? No. 
No, <laughs> it is it, it is a nerve wracking idea for sure, and you know we could go so many different directions just with that conversation. But there is an interesting analogy and a relevant analogy here uh, when when it comes to this idea of jumping. I, I think, and and I've certainly been guilty of it. There is a tendency that we have to overthink things. Yes. ahead of whatever move that we're going to make, a task that we're going to accomplish, a conversation that we're going to have, a change that we're going to make in our business. There's a tendency that we have, because we're lucky enough to, to live in a first world culture where we even have the mental space to to sit and analyze. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to, to overthink things, and that gets in the way of making a move that can ultimately be one of the most exhilarating experiences of our life. And and that yep. was certainly the case with skydiving. I, I kind of... I set aside analysis for the, you know, whatever it is, 20, 30 minutes or so that, that we're in that plane before we actually jump out. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of what could have been mental torment was certainly one of the most exhilarating experiences that I've ever had in my life. And and I would be the first to say that I'm kind of naturally afraid of, I guess probably most people are naturally afraid of heights, but I, I'm that to to an extent which... I mean, I remember taking my, my son to a high ropes course at one point or one of these, something comparable to that. And I, I think I made it up to maybe the first level. And I said, uh-uh, that's enough for me. And yet we're up in a plane at, you know, roughly it was between twelve and 15,000 feet and had the opportunity to, to, go, to jump out of this plane with an instructor, fortunately. Yes. But that was truly one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. And, and I mean, I literally had a physical high for about 45 minutes after we landed you feel like you, you could just conquer the world. But had I gotten stuck in my head and continued to overthink and overanalyze what could happen when the reality is that the, the chance of something happening bad is, is quite low, uh, I, I wouldn't have had that experience. So I think this is a really great reminder. We'll make sure to link to that, both the book and the video in our show notes. But you said three books, so that's one. What's another one? That's one. The other one was so, you know, figure a couple years, uh, two years later, I am... Uh, working as an independent consultant to a couple different companies and trying to shoot weddings and build my wedding business and struggling is to figure out how to make it all work and why the photography business, my wedding business is struggling. And I came across this book, The E-Myth. Yes. And it totally clicked for me. It, It was like everything that he was saying, I felt like he was speaking to me, right? It was like, am I running my business as a job or is it a business? And, you know, having been in corporate America for so long, it was like, wait a minute. Okay, what am I doing here wrong? And uh, it totally changed my whole thought process on how I look at my business. And I started putting everything into processes, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if I can't process, I can't break it down into five steps that I'm doing something wrong. And then figuring out the entrepreneur in my brain versus the actual engineer versus the doer and and figuring out those roles and how do I best balance those roles to get me to what I think is a good balance and a productive balance. And and so that's where I started to really hone in on the strategies that I was using. Uh, And and I think that was a, a pivotal shift for me as well. Yeah, that's a powerful book when it does come to this idea of creating a business that can scale. Uh, I think a lot of photographers, as sole proprietors, they, again, tend to kind of go inward and they they function in in their own world and don't really think about the the long term, their immediate uh, inner world, if you will, and don't really think about the long term and how to build a business for that. And right. when we're talking about creating businesses that will give us freedom, if we don't think about scale and the system's 
necessary for scale, for growing, but yet not getting overwhelmed, um, mm-hmm. then, then we're going to kind of get in our own way. And so I think this, this book, uh, the, the one that I read is actually called E-Myth Revisited. So I think he kind of rewrote some elements of it. Michael, yes, that's, Michael Gerber. That's the one I, I read as well. Yeah. Okay. And we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well, because it's definitely one that I would recommend. What's the third book? Uh, so the third book is going to sound uh, cliche for the moment. It is going around. It's the story brand. Yes. It's, oh my goodness. It's so good. Yeah. So, and I think it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, you know, the email helped me put together the back end process and what I was doing, where I'm spending my time, et cetera. And then the story brand is helping me or has helped me really define how I stand out from my, I think the market, right? Where I add my value into the market and yeah. to my clients. And how do I relay that in a way that is understandable mm-hmm. and concise, yes. right? Because to be honest with you, even up until about two months ago, I couldn't actually word it down to 10 words how I actually add more value. It would yeah. be this long run on three paragraphs and pages. Yeah. Yeah. But as he says in the book, you know, the human brain is, you know, configured in a way that it does not want to burn calories. And so we have to make it as simple as possible for people to be able to consume it. Otherwise, they will just turn away and walk away. And so that's what some of those things I've been really trying to focus the last couple of months on is figuring out what that is. And with the help of, you know, uh, Montana, you, uh, Sean, and a couple other people that I met at United, yeah. uh, you know, it really got me into thinking, how do I do that? And with the technique I used in that book, it's, I think we've come down to something that I really, really love, right? Oh man, so, see, this gets me excited about the upcoming question about your brand position. I don't want to jump too far ahead yeah. here, but that that is an extremely powerful book. We've, and of course, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. If if our listeners, if they're not going to read any other business book this year, um, mm-hmm. I would put that certainly in the top three, if not at the very very top. Uh, it yeah. is incredibly powerful, a wonderfully easy read. And it all centers around telling a, an effective story. I mean, it, it is yes. building a story brand that the author is Donald Miller, but just highly, highly impactful. It's eye-opening if you if you allow yourself to be open to the principles there. And uh, I can't recommend it enough. I really appreciate you bringing that up. No, I was going to say, I'm going through it for the second time. That's awesome. To, yeah. <laughs> just to make sure. Yes. Um, it was that important to me. It really changed the way I, 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 I approached my... Uh, all of my branding this year that we're in the middle of rolling out. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about brand position here in just a second. I am curious mm-hmm. though, you, you've mentioned photographing at least on a part-time basis for a little while. Talk to us just a little bit about the backstory about how you got into photography and how long you've been photographing part-time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try and make a long story short. Okay. <laughs> I actually got into photography. I moved to Philadelphia area, um, uh, it's got to be 2006 and got into photography not too long after that because I was here working from home at the time as a consultant in IT. And I was like, I, I need something to do. I'm bored. Um, and so my wife suggested, hey, why don't you uh, pick up photography? She was like, you actually do love taking pictures. Hmm. And it was great that she noticed that because I yeah. never mentioned it to anybody, but I did love taking pictures. And she actually bought me my first DSLR, which was a Canon uh, 7, I think it was. Okay. 70, something like that. So I had that and I said, okay. And um, started, 
I promised myself from day one I was never going to put it in automatic. I wanted to learn every function of the camera. And we got married 2010. And by then, I had understood the basics. My photographer, uh, wedding photographer, you know, one of those pivotal moments again, you know, I, we went to him and I said, hey, listen, I'm not very photogenic. You know, I don't like taking pictures, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and I'm probably going to be your worst client ever. Yeah. The first picture he took of me, he showed it to me and I was like, whoa, how did you do that? Right. And that was where he actually kind of brought me into, okay, now you understand the mechanics of your camera. Yeah. Let me show you the power of what a picture can really do. Wow. And our wedding pictures were amazing. And I was just like, dude. And I called him up after the wedding. I said, man, I need to know how you did this. Right. It was a mixture of the art, the technical, and drawing the personality out of my wife and I. Right. Yeah. And uh, so he then actually proceeded to teach me uh, how to do that. Two years after that, I was Uncle Ben, Bob, whatever you call him with the camera, <laughs> yeah. uh, at a friend's wedding in Cabo. And it was such a beautiful wedding. And, you know, I told the wedding photographer, I was very respectful. I, I have, you know, some. I, I'm just going to shadow, right? And I love the pictures. They came out. And since then, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to start doing this part-time and doing second shooting for some other photographers. And from there, the passion just kind of kept on growing, growing and growing and growing. And then, you know, realizing the impact that I'm having on people's lives is exactly what I realized I was missing in my life in corporate America. That was kind of that mental turmoil I was going through when I came across Steve Harvey. Huh. You know, because in my part-time life, you know, I'm helping these people capture and celebrate the most important moments of their day, right. of their life. Right. And then I'm coming to corporate America and I'm dealing with all of the politics, the BS, the stuff that I just hate. Yes. And it was, it was a, a mental turmoil. So I decided I'm going to walk away from the corporate America thing. I'm going to do an independent contract type of thing. It, uh, the independent contracting thing got to be too much. Trying to do both got to be too much. You know, I was last year, I think I probably did close to 2,500 hours in independent consulting. Wow. And then on top of that, shot 25, 30 weddings. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. It, it got to the point where my wife was like, dude, like, you're just not here. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you're just, what are you doing? And, um, you know, that, that caused some really interesting conversations in the house. Sure. And so then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make the jump. I'm just going to finally just jump. Wow. And I'm going to go because I cannot, con you know, and to be honest, I'm happy I did. I wish I'd done it sooner, yes. to be honest with you, because yeah. when, you're, when you're split between two different things, mm -hmm. you end up not doing either one of them extremely well. 100%. Right? So as much people, as we talk about, you know, making the transition slowly over from one to the next, you just got to jump because I will tell you the progress I've made in the, 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 since I've made the jump last year to the three years before that, trying to do both, it's night and day, right? I mean, my business has totally transformed already. Wow. And, you know, to anyone listening that is thinking about it, trust me, it's, it's worth its weight to just do it if you can, you know, just do it. Just do it. Just jump. I love that. Yeah. And we're yeah, going to actually I mean, talk about what that transition has looked like for you in a little bit more detail here in just a second, because I know there are those listening in who they like the idea of jumping, 
but they're like, but, but what about this? And what about that? I mean, the reality is, of course, there are a few details to consider. You talked about the, the quote, interesting conversations that you had with yes. your wife. Um, yes. <laughs> there, there's some, some realities there that have to be addressed. So we're going to talk about those here in just a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, I am curious through this process, and I appreciate you sharing your story. Is there, is there a particular lesson that stands out that you learn, you've learned during this process of getting your business started, shooting? I mean, I hesitate to kind of say, even say shooting on the side because you're already shooting the, the, the same number that a lot of full-time photographers uh, are shooting. But what is one of the biggest lessons that you have learned that you would want to share with our listeners so maybe they don't have to kind of go through the same struggles? One of my biggest lessons is it goes back to what I was saying very a few minutes ago. You know, I I got so wrapped up, to be honest with you, in in trying to make everything work right. Okay, that I lost sight of my family in the process. Right, so I felt like I was spending so much time running businesses, like my daughter's four. Right, I felt like her whole three to four, I missed out on so many opportunities. Hmm. And very quickly, I got through some some personal things that's happened, I learned, you know, remembered very quickly that they're the most important thing to me. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this for the lifestyle that I want us all to share mm. and enjoy. And if I'm not enjoying my lifestyle, if I'm not enjoying my life and I'm not enjoying the moments that they're sharing, they're ha- that they're having, then what am I doing it for? Right. Right? And so... I, perfect example. I, I'll tell you, my wife planned a Disney cruise for us to go on the, in our past October, okay. my daughter's birthday, her fourth birthday. Totally was not aware of most of the planning. I was just like on the periphery because I was doing so many other things. Right. And, you know, even at some point questioned whether or not I should actually take the time and go to the cruise. Right. Wow. And that was a moment where I had to step back and say, you know what, wait a minute this is my daughter's fourth birthday and we're going on a cruise. Yeah. Yeah. What is there to question? Right? Like, no, she's the most important thing. And so to be honest, you know, that cruise was, you know, one of those moments where I was just like, you know what? Nope. I'm going to take disconnect for that week and spend time with them. Hmm. And it was the best week of the year I had last year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely was. And then coming back off of that cruise, United was the following week. Oh, wow. I mean, it just, it, it totally realigned me back to what I was doing this That's for. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it took just kind of almost getting out of your own way and, and prioritizing people, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. It, it really did. And, and it took, you know, like I said, some of those interesting conversations with the family and my wife and, yeah. and et cetera, and, and saying, you know, remembering that, you know, we're all here Hmm. not to run businesses. We're all here not to work ourselves to death. We're here to enjoy life. And whatever that enjoyment means to you is what you should focus on. Hmm. Well, you know, as much as, as much respect as I have for you, Keith, I'm, I'm so interested in meeting your wife. I hope I have the chance to do this at some point because she seems like a a, a really interesting person. I, I'd, I'd love to see who plays opposite Keith Lane. Um, but I also am I'm so impressed with and have so much respect for the way that she obviously wants to support you. 
um, yes, and has got absolutely. your back. I mean, that that's enough can't be said about that. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I appreciate you sharing what you've learned, even as of late, through this process of, of making the transition to full-time. Again, we're going to touch on that in more detail here in a second. But uh, we're, we're at a question here, which I cannot wait to hear your answer to. It is very rare, honestly, that, that uh, I have a guest on the show who has truly distilled their brand position down to, as you described earlier, like a, a few, 10 words, you know, a sentence mm-hmm. um, where mm-hmm. you can communicate it in five seconds. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious where you're at in that process and what that brand position is. And, you know, just for a little context for those who are listening in who may still be a little bit confused about this idea of a brand position, what I, what I sent in the notes to Keith and what I send to our guests now as they're coming on, just to give it a little context to the question of brand position is, what is the unique value proposition that your business brings to your market that truly sets it apart from other photography businesses in that market? So there are different ways that you might be able to define the concept of a brand position. That's how I've defined it here. And, and I'm curious what your take is, Keith. Yeah. Uh, so through a lot of thinking, talking, and, you know, kind of laying things out, what I've come to is, you know, I do three things. Through photography, I help clients celebrate life while strengthening their love and deepening the bonds with their loved ones. What that means for me is each one of those have specific meaning to our brand, right? Celebrating life is, you know, by capturing these moments in people's lives, their weddings, their birthdays, their anniversaries, their celebrations. We're, we're, we're celebrating the moment, but we're allowing them to celebrate that moment forever. Yeah. Right. So it's not a one time celebration. This is we are creating artifacts that help people celebrate these moments forever, uh, which is important to me because, you know, looking back on my family's life, I don't have a lot of pictures to look back on. You know, my father passed away when I was 12. I think I only have one picture of him and I together when wow. I was like seven. Right. Wow. So, you know, some 28 years later, I'm still kind of trying to remember a lot of things that, you know, we just didn't document well. So for me, it's important that folks understand that they are, this is, that's what they're doing. They're not only celebrating that moment at the time that it's happening, but we're giving them the opportunity or guiding them through the opportunity to celebrate that moment forever. The second part is strengthening their love. So everything I try to do, I try to go through that uh, take my clients through an emotional emotional journey within themselves and within you know the loved ones around them so that they're strengthening their love and they're deepening those bonds with those folks so you know even on an engagement shoot we try to go through how they feel about each other and kind of get down to that emotional level because that resonates in the picture and it also resonates amongst the, them each other uh, you know, even my initial consults is an emotional, I try to take them through that emotional journey to say, what are you really looking for out of your, uh, emotionally out of your pictures? How do we, how do we tap into that? And that's important to me because, you know, that's, again, I think some of the things that I wish that we had done a lot more of, you know, when I was younger, um, as, as a family, and I'm trying to do that now with even my own family, right? To make sure that we are taking these moments and enjoying these moments and, and, and deepening our relationship every chance we get, whether it be through 
you know, like the birthday party that we did on the cruise, you know, make sure we photograph that and went through an experience there, or it's just my wife and I doing something, you know, hiring a photographer and doing family formals, you know, once a year, you know, I try to make sure we do that and we document it. So my daughter can go back and say, wow, my parents really loved me. And look at all these things that they did. My parents really loved each other because I can see that in that picture 20 years later. You know, there, there's an interesting, um, I, I was actually taking notes as you were communicating your brand position statement to me. And honestly, this seems even more like to me, a mission statement, because you're talking about the bigger why behind what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's really powerful that way. And I love the way that it breaks down the idea of celebrating life, um, this focus on strengthening relationships. And I think, I mean, aside from giving you a, a deeper underlying meaning that drives what you do, that, that creates a certain level of motivation, because it's, it's, these ideas are way bigger than just yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have the opportunity to be able to serve others through helping them celebrate life and encouraging their relationships. Uh, honestly, on a, just on a practical side as well, from a marketing standpoint, it's interesting to think about how you could play on these ideas of celebrating life and strengthening relationships, whether it's um, the, the copy on your website or even gifts that you can give to your clients that, that play on these ideas. I think it's a really interesting approach to doing business to have this kind of a mission statement that drives everything that you do. It's really, really powerful. And uh, I, I commend you for that. I commend you too for the the simplicity and brevity of the statement. Um, like you said, it's not paragraphs and paragraphs worth of information that we have to sort through to try to make sense of. It is extremely straightforward. And I, and I really love that. How do you effectively communicate that to your clients? So if they're saying, why should I hire Keith Lane as a wedding photographer? Are you communicating this idea of celebration of life, strengthening of relationships through your website? Do you have marketing materials that, that you print up and give to them? Are you doing this through word of mouth in some form? What, what does it look like? So uh, it is coming. We are, you know, this is all rather new, right? Since uh, I've now been focused on on this. So the new website I'm hoping to release within the next two or three weeks that will be focused around celebrating life, Great. strengthening love and deepening bonds. For in the meantime, what I've done is that we actually, I actually uh, participated in uh in a bridal show recently. Okay. And that was the focus of all of our materials for Hmm. the bridal show. And since then, all of my consults have been specifically around that. So I have consultations now where I don't even take out a photo album, right? It's literally just talking them through that emotional experience of where, you know, how did they get to where they are? What, made them choose each other? How did they draw to each other? How would they want that relayed on a picture? Um, Hmm. And and then start to talk about how I can guide them and help them through, you know, documenting that process, documenting those emotions through the process that we have. That's really, I I love the fact that you have some meetings that don't even involve an album. And this has yeah. kind of been a theme on the podcast as of late, that the reality, which is that pictures are obviously significant. I mean, that's, that is the service that we're offering is providing beautiful imagery to our clients. But there is so much more innate to being a good professional photographer running an effective business that ultimately serves our clients. And the fact that you put so much emphasis on developing a relationship with your clients and, and encouraging their relationship 
focusing on this idea of celebrating life with them, creating and encouraging emotion in those conversations as you walk them through the process. I, I would love to be a, a, like a fly on the wall and, and even be able to share that with our listeners. I think it's a really fascinating concept. But again, I have to, to laud you for that because it's, it, it's a really powerful, it speaks to the priority that you put on that connection with your clients. And I'm sure that then translates to your, your images in a wonderful way. And by the way, speaking of your images, I have to, to add as a side note here, for those of you listening in, make sure you go to, to Keith's website. It's Keith Lane, just just like it sounds, K-E-I-T-H-L-A-Y-N-E.com. Yep. And then Instagram is Keith Lane Photography. And we'll link to those in the show notes as well. Um, Thank you. And, and uh, Keith, I know that you said you've got a new website coming out here in the new, next two or three weeks. So probably by the time this episode goes out, that, that fresh website will be up and everybody's going to be able to pour over this new branding that you've been developing, which is really, really cool. Yep, I'm, I'm I'm hoping so. Uh, we've been work, I've been working pretty hard on it in the background because I think it's important that you know folks really understand where I I, I recognize that it, it is I'm not for everyone yeah. and and it takes a little while to kind of get okay with that you know when you hear the nose sure but you know I want people to understand from the moment they hit my website my Instagram my social media what this is about for me, right? And in order for me to, I think, best serve them, they have to understand where I'm at and where I want them to, where I want to serve them or how I want to serve them. And so, you know, I'm really hoping, you know, I'm hoping this year that new marketing approach will really hone me into the clients that I think are more aligned to, to, uh, to, to, to where I want to go, if that makes sense. Well, I, it's it's all about proactively managing the expectations, right? And, and as yeah. you alluded to, filtering out those who aren't relevant. So if you're putting on your website very clearly through the copy what your brand is about, the images represent the type of imagery that you plan on capturing for your clients. And then, you know, the pricing can play a role as well in filtering out clients who may not be a good fit. But that it's it's all about proactively managing those expectations and um, it sounds like you're doing that with this new site. So that's, that's wonderful. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Just very briefly, you mentioned earlier that, that you got started with a Canon camera. Are you still shooting Canon? And, and what's some of your favorite gear right now? Actually, to be honest with you, I made the shift two years ago to Nikon. Nice. And I sold all of my Canon gear. Okay. And I went to Nikon. I was, I, I, and to be honest, I don't know that's where I'm going to stay. To me, a camera is a camera. Yes. Right? Like, it's a tool. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh my gosh, I have to have all the latest and greatest. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to simplify, to be honest with you. I, I started out there with all of the gear and carrying 30 lenses, and I'm trying to simplify down. So, Why did you even make the shift from Canon to Nikon? What was the motivation there? Um, I felt like I was struggling with the 5D Mark III getting to the dynamic range between light and dark. Okay. I like to play with a lot of color and a lot of light and shadows, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of backlit. And I felt like my Canon camera was struggling. And I didn't like the Mark IV. Hmm. And I was like, eh, you know, the Canon lenses were great. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're some of the best lenses I've you know, ever played with on digital. Right. But I just felt like the cameras that Canon was coming out with just didn't give me the technology I was looking for, hmm. right? So I don't have a tilting screen. That was sort of important to me when I'm doing a lot of, you know, shots on the ground and 
I'm getting older. So as much as I can, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> as much as I can get a little bit of help every now and then, it's great that the Wi-Fi capability I was missing because, you know, I want to be at a wedding and just shoot some pictures over to someone, yeah. you know, and be able to do all of that. So I felt like they were missing a lot of the technology that I was looking for. And I still felt like my pictures were suffering in the dynamic range. Not just me personally. So other people may feel otherwise. And, and I'm you know happy to have the debate with folks and maybe learn some things on how people do things with Canon 5D Mark threes. I just had the camera for three, four years, and I still didn't feel like I can get where I needed to go with it. So okay. I tried a 750. As a matter of fact, at United two years ago, my first one, I actually had a Canon camera in one hand and a Nikon camera in the other, and everyone thought I was crazy. <laughs> um, but I was testing out the two. Yeah, right? that's perfect. Uh, yeah. And I just fell in love with the power, the, the dynamic range that the Nikon camera had and some of the, 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 the technology that they had built into it. And so I made the jump. And, um, you know, right now I'm still searching for the right combination of lenses. I got rid of my 24 to 70, which is like, you know, the ultimate wedding photographer lens. <laughs> it got is. I yeah. <laughs> um, actually have a 24 to 120 F4, which I think I like a lot better. Nice. Okay. Um, I'm actually testing out the 58 millimeter right now instead of the 50 millimeter. Um, I think I like the bokeh on the 58 a little bit better and how it breaks down into, you know, that, 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 uh, sharp to bokeh transition. I think I like that a little bit better so far in the 58 than I did the 514. So I'm playing around still. Um, but so far I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the transition. Um, the only other thing that I, you know, still have in the back of my head is that one day I'm probably going to end up with a mirrorless camera. And I'm just waiting for that technology to kind of just simmer down okay. and get a little bit more stable. But I am interested in the mirrorless camera world for nothing else, just the weight of that I save myself on my shoulders and my back every day. Oh, 100%. Have you played yeah. it all with the Fuji X-T2? I think there's a three out now, but the X-T2 is the one I played with and I was just amazed at the form factor. I actually did not play with the Fuji. I've played with the uh, I played with the Sony versions. Okay. And I've actually rented a couple of those for a weekend, like a weekend trip with the family. And I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh. I think this was the A7 II, I think it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, I was able to get a lot of the same type of pictures I would normally take with my, my camera and my lenses at one third of the weight. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, yeah, just crazy. But, you know, I'm still waiting for that whole market to settle itself out. And, you know, I don't want to have to reinvest in all new lenses again. So I totally get it. Well, I, I like yeah. your, your very balanced perspective about the reality, which is that these are just tools in the end. Yeah. Pick what works best for you and run with it. Um, I did shoot Nikon for the 11 or so years, 10, 11 years that I shot weddings. Um, I, I still tend to lean toward the ergonomics, the, the actual button layout on their cameras. I think it makes more sense. The menu system seems to be more intuitive. And I actually own, in fact, the only DSLR that I own right now is a Canon uh, camera. Okay. So I've, I've certainly shot with it, but I, I just, I love, I love the Nikon ergos and, and menu system. I think it's great. And I've heard wonderful things, particularly about that. Have you shot with the 850 as well? Or are you shooting currently with the 750? I just have the 750s right now. I've shot uh, once or twice with the 850 that I, I've rented a couple times. Yeah. I love the 750 that I have. And I'm like, you know, it's actually a little bit smaller and a little bit lighter mm. than the 850. So, okay. 
you know, I'm right now I'm comfortable in that with that one. I totally get it. Totally get it. Well, we, I want to jump to our conversation. <laughs> our primary point of conversation for today here at the end, it's something that is really exciting for you, for your business, um, for your family. I'm sure there's a little bit of nerves there too, but you're making the move this year to going mm-hmm. full time with your photography business, moving away from the consulting work that you were doing, focusing on, on wedding photography full time. And, and I have to congratulate you on that. I'm excited for you. I love this mentality of taking the jump, you know, kind of building your wings on the way down kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, and yet, as I alluded to earlier, there are some details to consider. And so we're going to talk about those here in just a second. But what would you say was the, and, and you've, I guess in some ways you've already spoken to this, but what would you see, say was the biggest catalyst to just going ahead and making the move now versus three months ago or six months ago or waiting another three or four months? Why was it now? So I will say uh, now it, it was, it, I made the decision when I did uh, late last year because, like I said, I was missing too many moments in my family's lives, I wasn't happy. And, you know, you put in between both businesses, 5,000 hours a year and, you know, your your health just starts to take an impact, right? Exactly. Um, You know, not eating properly, not focusing on me, not focusing on the family. And I just get to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. I just like, this is just not going to work. I'm, I'm going to kill myself if I keep this up. You know, thanks to, to be honest with you, uh, a lot of folks that I met at United, you know, Chad uh, de Blasio, if you don't know, great guy. He, you know, wealth of information as well. Uh, My conversations with you, Nathan, my conversations with Montana, uh, with Sean Gordon, everyone that I talked to, Tim, and I would have, you know, one-off conversations with everyone and say, you know, what am I missing, right? Like, why is this so hard? And to be honest, the answer I got was the same thing Steve Harvey said. It was like, you just got to make the jump at some point. You know what I mean? Um, at some point, you're just going to have to pick one business and go with it. And I knew what that business was going to be. And so I did it. That's great. And and I'm also really excited to hear the names that you you just mentioned. Because first of all, I, I've known Chad. Chad and I, it feels like we go way back. I, I've known Chad for a number of years now. We've We've done a couple of, actually, three now uh motorcycle trips together uh, yes. chad chad de blasio actually is a uh has actually been on the book of podcast way on or early on in the book of podcast uh, we had chad on and uh, montana i want to get montana dennis on as well montana is an extremely talented photographer uh you awesome mentioned guy. tim I'm, yeah. I'm assuming you meant tim hussey yes tim yeah. hussey yep yeah yep. Tim, tim has been on the podcast as well and sean gordon from uh, kiss books has been on with us a couple of times actually at least three times now i think so um these are these are some some people that i can speak uh highly of as well um talented individuals and, and good people as well and i can love I that give you, can i just give you one quick example yeah for sure please we talked earlier about processes and figuring out where you're spending your time yeah and one of the things I looked at was I used to spend five hours at least designing an album for a client. And in conversations with Sean, I said, I'm spending all of these hours. How do I do this better? Right. How do I get this down? Hmm. And he said, well, why don't you outsource it? And I said, well, uh, you know, <laughs> like it's another, you know, and so we started talking, come to find out he actually offers a service 
right? Where they will help you design your album. And they will, you know, do all of that for you. 24 hour turnaround, 40, like 49 bucks or something like that. 50 yep. bucks, right? Yep. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If I look at the five hours that I was spending, and let's just say averagely $100 an hour, yeah. right? That's $500 that I was losing right. where I can pay somebody $50 to do it for me. Yes. And I was just like, oh, done deal. Right? Like, absolutely. They're going to do it faster than I can, less stress for me, and save me four hundred, essentially $450 earning potential yes. in that time. And and I love that you're that you're thinking about these things because um, many, if not most, photographers don't think that way. It's it's a they realize that their business, you know, the numbers are a part of their business. They don't, um, I guess, give acknowledgement or enough acknowledgement to the significance that numbers play uh, the role that numbers play in their business, and particularly how that relates to time. Because ultimately, our time should have value. An hour should mean a particular amount if we're going to make intelligent decisions about how we're spending our time and what we do outsource or what we do delegate, we actually, we tried to run a, a, a marketing campaign a number of years ago around this idea, or it became an element of our marketing efforts at photographers edit sharing the amount of time that can be saved. And then of course, ultimately you can take that time that you save the money that you save, especially if your work worth um, Keith, as you were describing hundred dollars an hour, Mm-hmm. You can you can save so much money there, but on the flip side, you also now have time to make even more money. Especially if you're spending time developing relationships with wedding coordinators, for example, who can drive thousands of dollars yep. of business to you. So yep. Um, yep. those things, those details, the numbers, they have to be considered, particularly when it comes to the value of our time and how that relates to making decisions about delegation. I think that's a really important point to bring up, and we'll certainly, of course, link to Guestbooks in the show notes. They are. Uh, just uh, their company culture is one to to if you're ever curious if you ever want to start a business and develop a team look at the way that sean is running that that company it's it's a really powerful example and um something to be respected i'll also mention too that for those who are a bit apprehensive about the idea right the second of delegating or outsourcing that album design work they have a an album design software as well built into their website that i mean enables you to very very quickly design an album, just drag and drop images in, make some adjustments and, and you're done. I mean, it's, it's incredibly powerful software, so you can take advantage of that as well. But yep. let's, let's get to get the meat of this conversation about going full time because I, you know, the, there are, we may have listeners right now that are, they're listening in, they like your story. They're curious about what it means to go full time and how to ultimately make the decision to make that jump what mm-hmm. details they need to consider, what questions they need to ask themselves. And so I'm curious, what key questions or concerns or fears did you have to answer or address? Uh, and this, this could be about your finances, your brand, your client base, I mean, the amount of business you need to book in order to go full-time, the type of services you offer, uh, any number of things before making this move to full-time. For me, I think it was three things. It was family, finances, and my brand, right? So one, the family, uh, obviously, as we talked about, my wife is very supportive, but, you know, I had to sit with her and have that conversation and say, okay, you know, the way things have, have been going, you know, I'm thinking about really just doing this full time. Here's my plan. And are you on board? Because this is what it could mean. So for me, before I even had that conversation, I had to lay out 
to some degree a what I think is you know my my six month outlook right on yeah. what I wanted to accomplish in that six months to say this is what I want to do and I want to make sure that you're on board with me and I think this is what it can get us if we do that. Hmm. Right. Um, it's almost like having a like having a business partner in a sense. It reminds me of a conversation actually that I'm having with one of my business partners right now about a new business opportunity. Yeah, and yeah. and the question that I that I just got from him via email actually was basically what's what's your marketing plan? Yeah. Um, he wants to understand the details behind the thought process that drives this new business idea. Of course, part of that is the marketing plan. But ultimately, that what what that question is tied to is how are we how are we going to make this work on a financial level? Yes. And so we have to go to our the, the significant other in our lives if if there's somebody involved and and say, look, this is where we're at, and this is what I have in mind in order to make this even feasible for us. Right. Exactly true. And, and to be honest with you, I, you know, with weddings, I have already sort of proven that, you know, we can, I can shoot weddings and, and, and generate business there. Right. Um, but you know, uh, the, the other part of it I had to show her was, look, I intend on bringing on a family brand. I intend on bringing on a boudoir brand. Here's the business model for that. And my wife is very, she's business oriented as well. Right. So, She's mm-hmm. a manager. She runs her own team of developers. So very logical based as well as I. So, okay. you know, that was all, I think, very helpful in that conversation for us to be able to say, okay, this is what I intend to do. And I'm going to give myself this amount of time. And if, you know, we, I, I cannot see that in this amount of time, then, you know, I'll go back to consulting, et cetera, et cetera. I knock on wood. I don't think I'm going to do that, but that was the conversation I had to lay out with her and make sure she was on board as well, because, you know, it's scary when you know you're making that transition from having that check to not having that check. Right. And you want to make sure your significant other is going along that with you as well, because, you know, I, I even like on days that I am not having the best of days, you know, I need her to be able to bounce that off of, right? And need her to support mm. me to say, don't worry about it. This is just a bump in the road. Yep. You can keep on going. Yep. Think of the big picture, right? If she didn't know what the big picture was, she wouldn't be able to have that faith to say that. Oh, that's a that's a great way to sum it up. I think that's really, really good. And and the cool thing about the need to communicate with your significant other is that you have to think through the ideas before you can effectively communicate it, right? So it forces you to come up with a a plan. I, I know that me as a business owner, my tendency is to think on like way on the other side of the business being launched and mm-hmm. doing well. Um, the, the reality is there's a lot that it's going to take to get to that right. place. And those details have to be worked out. You got to think about the details. And that's, that's a, um, at, at times a hard lesson that I've either had to been reminded of or, or ultimately have had to learn. And, and it's, it's, it's absolutely necessary as business owners to to have thought through those details. So I love this, but I love the priority you're putting on family as well. Take us to the next one. You mentioned finances. Yeah, so finances, I'm sure just like most Americans today, I don't have an unlimited supply of finances. I didn't have an unlimited supply. We have bills just like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And it's when is the right time to do that, right? So, and the way I looked at it was, to me, I looked at, okay, working over the last five years since I've really started shooting weddings. Have my financial situation gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Where am I? Yada, yada, yada. What, you know, 
how much time do I have saved up, right? How much, what I quote every dollar to is a matter of time, right? So how much mm. time do I have saved up and what do I think I can accomplish in that time? And once I found what I thought was the right balance, you know, I said, okay, this is the time. This is the moment now because I'm able to, what I think balance, how much I have saved up versus what I want to get accomplished in the next six months, right? So it, it's a tough conversation, I think, and a tough thing for every everyone because we're all nervous about, oh my gosh, what happens if I can't pay my bills next month, right? But, you know, the way I, at the end of the day, to be honest with you, I did the best I can to put the analytics behind it. And then at some point, I just sort of have to have faith and say, you know what, if this is what God wants, he is going to open the door. He's going to, you know, make it happen for, you know, for me and allow me to make this transition. So it's a two-pronged approach for me. I did the, 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 the math behind the scenes, and then I just have faith that, you know, it'll all work out. When you talk about money and how that relates to time and, and, and savings, is that, do you mean that... I have X amount in the bank and that would enable me to live on that amount for a certain amount of time or, or is there a different perspective you're well, looking to? Well, no, it's uh, looking at what my monthly bills are, um, monthly okay. expenses of running my business, my bills, et cetera, my family, what we want to accomplish over the next you know, three to five months, putting a plan together and saying, yeah. okay, what is that number, right? And then based okay. on that, you know, how much of that do I have available? And yes. then- you know, making the move from there until you get to the point, you, you, you got to get to a point where both of those numbers are aligned. Right. And that's the way I looked at it. I had to get to a point where both of those numbers were aligned and then say, okay, now I know I've got a nest egg of however much that I need, yes. however many months. And now looking yes. at the business plan, what do I think I'm going to accomplish in that time to say, okay, is that going to be enough time for me to get what I want to get done? So for example, if my next egg would only give me three months, but my business plan says it's going to take me six months, then I'm not aligned. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And that I like the practicality of that as well, especially for somebody who's just getting started and they're like, when do I make that jump? I need to, and, and, and again, I have to commend you because the, the attention to detail when it comes to the numbers and the awareness, I mean, in all reality, it's actually a pretty simple thing. And we've talked about this in the podcast before. It's, hey, look, I need to make a certain amount of money in order to pay mm-hmm. my bills put a little bit of money in the bank and ideally be able to take some time with my family, you know, to, to go on an adventure, travel, if, if nothing else, at least just take some time away from, yes. from business. How much money is that? Let's break that down over 12 months and let's break it down maybe even further, you know, four weeks each month. And how much do I need to bring in each of those weeks and how much do I need to bring in each month in order to get to that total amount? You're breaking all of this down. So you know that you've got X amount of the bank and um, that your business plan is going to get you to where you want to be financially in a certain amount of time, and and that those times have to align. I love the simple practicality of that, and it's it's very proactive and aware. And I think we can all take a cue from that. I, I've said this many times before, but one of the biggest uh, issues that I had as a as a photographer um, early on, and, and and actually for quite some time anyway, was the. Uh, poor or the lack of proactive management of my finances. It was just not, it was not a strength of mine and I paid for that. I like that you're starting off with this. That's powerful. And I think it's a wonderful example for, for our listeners. The third component that you mentioned was brand. Share just a little bit about that if you don't mind. Yeah. So when I left my 
full-time job. I remember the one of my coworkers asked me, she said, there's a million photographers out there. How are you any different? And I remember saying to her, you know, I don't know the answer to that just yet, but I know I'm not going to find it sitting here. <laughs> and That's so I, and I, I mentioned that because even, you know, like I said, the last couple of months just being home has, you know, considerably changed my whole business and my brand. And I knew that that was a process I had to go through, right? It was, I have to figure out my brand and what, how do I relay me into my business? And I couldn't do that while I was working full-time or consulting and trying to do a, a business, run my photography business and build my business. And taking away and, you know, that was part of the 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 the, the business plan I provided my wife was that I had to step back, focus on this, put myself into this and figure out what my brand was going to be as my first step. Um, and mm. so everything that we talked about today is a culmination of me just finishing that first part and understanding my, my brand, my mission statement, my how, my why, and then figure out how to relay that and infuse that in everything that I do going forward. I think, you know, and, and the, the significance of this, again, is is something that we've we talk about quite a bit on the podcast, and and again, it bears repeating because if we're going to create a business that enables freedom, that enables flexibility, we need to establish a structure that drives our behavior, the way that we spend mm-hmm. our time. And without a clear direction as to where we are going with our business, it's going to be easy to just spend our time on any and all kinds of things. It's this haphazard existence that I think a lot of photographers are probably pretty familiar with. The moment that you clearly establish the mission of your company, why you are doing that thing, that will enable you then to effectively establish a business model that can support the finances and the family elements that you're talking about. And it really, it, it kind of helps pull it all together in a really powerful way. And I think that way more photographers need to consider the reality of, or the significance, I'm sorry, of this brand position and the mission statement and how that can drive the way we spend our time so that ultimately we can have time. Otherwise, we're going to be kind of grasping yeah, at straws. It, it, it is absolutely true. It is. I mean, I look at the brands that I like to put my money behind, right? And they're all brands with defined missions in helping me and guide me mm. through whatever this situation yeah. is. Amazon, I'm a big yeah. believer in Amazon. And, you know, what they have done is made my life easier to do what I hate to do most, which is shopping. <laughs> right. Yes. And they figured out a way to make it easy for me to do the thing I hate to do the most. Yeah. I think Gary Vaynerchuk, I heard Gary Vaynerchuk say that they sell yeah. time. That's actually yeah. what they sell. Yeah. You don't have to, to bother yourself with that busy work. Like you said, of shopping, you can just click a couple buttons or even click a button and it just continually, you know, every month or every couple of weeks or whatever, it sends you the products that you need and it, and it saves you an incredible yeah. amount of time. I mean, I use Apple pay all the time where I just double click my phone and put it against a pay thing. And uh, all of a sudden, boom, it's done. Credit card. Don't have to worry about yeah. it. Those are the type of things that, you know, I, I enjoy, right? The, I support those type of brands that help me make my life easier. Right. And I think people, once you figure out what's important to you, and you figure out then your brand, then you can hone in on the clients that actually are aligned with you. 
Yeah, that need the thing that you exactly, have to offer. Right? There's a million yeah. of us doing photography, wedding photography of some sort, but each of us have yep. something different. Yes. And each of us offers something different to our clients. And so now, even like I said, going through my initial consults, I already start, you know, thanks to all of the help and mentorship I got, have now started to learn how to relay that up front. So I'm not taken back when they say, oh, you know what? I think we're looking for something a little bit different. I get it, right? Totally get it. Or I have clients that say, you know, I had a client yesterday consultation where he started off saying he started dating his now fiance and he was attracted to her because he said that her profile online said she was dating with a purpose, Hmm. right? And he knew that that was what he was doing as well. He wanted to date with a purpose of getting married eventually to the right woman. Yeah. And so for him, you know, him and I align easily because as I mentioned to him was I photograph with a purpose. And my purpose is to strengthen your relationship and give you moments that you can celebrate forever. Now, I feel like he and I, or they and I, are aligned as a client and uh, a service, right? But I would not have known that or gotten to that level of conversation with him if I just went in talking about pictures. Yeah, it's true. And it's kind of an interesting analogy, too, when you compare it to dating. You know, I mean, dating without purpose might be fun for a time frame, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But, but then things are likely going to get chaotic, being purposeful really in pretty much anything that we do, I think ultimately can be much more productive and being clear about what it is that we want uh, is going to enable that kind of direction and ultimately the satisfaction associated with that. And I I think you've just, you've summed this up beautifully today. And I have to say that uh, if I was where you are now with the perspective that you have now, uh, when I went full time as a photographer, there's no telling what I would have been able to accomplish. Um, I, again, I have to commend you for your perspective, uh, your heart, your genuine kindness. Um, uh, this is all going to translate wonderfully to your business, and and I I wish you all the success in the world. And it would be really fun if you'd be willing, maybe at some point, whether it's six months from now or a year from now, to come back and and have a second conversation and talk about what you've been learning further through this process. I think it would be wonderful to have that perspective, but I can't thank you enough for making time today for the podcast. I know we went just a little bit long. I appreciate your patience and I appreciate all those who are listening in for listening in and don't hesitate to reach out to Keith and, and encourage him along the way, especially as he, he's jumping now. And, and I love that. I love that analogy, but I love the reality of, of that behavior too. And I think it's a beautiful, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, again, keithlane.com. And then Keith Lane Photography on Instagram. We'll make sure to link to both of those in the show notes. But thank you again, Keith, for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.